Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Tez News Podcast, where we bring you the essential briefing on the key news of the week for everyone who works for and with schools. I'm Mary Louise Clears, a news editor at Tez, and today I'm joined by Deputy News Editor John Roberts. Hi, John. Hi there. This week, John's going to tell us all about why school attendance, or rather a lack of it by some, has been in the news once again this week. Now, John, this is an issue that has dominated much of the political discourse around schools since the pandemic, and certainly over the past year, as it seems despite national efforts to combat the rise, particularly in persistent absence, levels have have continued to remain stubbornly high. So, John, what's happened this week to put this issue back at the top of the news agenda? So the Commons Education Committee, reflecting the concerns that you mentioned, launched an inquiry at the start of the year, particularly looking at this issue of persistent absence. And this week, they've produced their findings after several evidence sessions. And we've got two reports that kind of break down what what they've got on our our website. But just to give a a quick summary, they basically make a whole load of recommendations um, and challenges to government. I think the most striking ones are probably that they say there needs to be a cross-government review of mental health support and needs, because they say that's one of the things that is driving absence post-pandemic. They also say the government needs to prioritise ensuring that mainstream schools and specialist schools can meet the needs of pupils with with special educational needs, because, again, absence is higher in those groups. Um, And they talk about the government needing to create a a national framework for fines and prosecutions, which is something the government had set in train and something the government had planned to produce national statutory guidance on. There isn't statutory guidance at the moment, only guidance, and the committee have urged the, um, the government to put it on a statutory footing. But interestingly, they've said um, to stress to schools and councils, trusts, that fines should only be used as a, a last resort and the support is what's needed. Um, so I think if, it, if I was going to characterise it all, I guess it's like it's a problem that can't be solved by schools alone and the government needs to invest in both understanding the scale of the challenges, but then invest in meeting them as well. And and would you say the sector feel that the balance was right in terms of what's being called for in terms of investment in preventative measures about mental health support and holistic support compared to the stick, if you like, so the carrot and stick debate? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. I think it, the report was pretty well received. And I think there is a real acknowledgement that runs through it that this is a, although it's obviously a school problem, school level problem, it can't be a school only solution. Although the the creation of a national framework would create a sort of set of statutory expectations that school would have to follow, beyond that, I would characterise the report for the most part as pointing out where the government needs to provide support, but also understand the understand the problem. Um, I think the other thing that it, it calls on the government to do, which I think has got quite a wide cross section of the report, is this idea of creating a national register for children who are not in school at all. Because, of course, persistent absence, I think, covers a, a, a number of different categories, really. Basically, you're classed as persistently absent if you miss 10% or more of your education. But then there's also something to talk about severe absence, um, which is missing half of your education. And then children who are not in formal education at all, by definition, not in the system. So that I think there are various kind of levels at which this this problem needs to be needs to be tackled. And I think the report does sort of acknowledge the limitation in what schools can do. And I think calls for the the government to do more to better understand and better support them. And so uh, how has the government responded to the report this week? Yeah, so the government has pointed to its um, its attendance hub um, scheme as one of the things that it's doing. 
it announced the, the following day that it was um, that it was expanding this this program. As we revealed earlier this year, the government was keen to roll out uh, an approach for attendance hubs that was piloted by a Northern Education Trust in the north of England, and it's basically about a lead school that has got a successful approach rolling out that approach or sharing best practice with a network of schools in similar settings. This week, I've spoken to the Trust Chief Executive, Rob Tarn, about how that work got underway. I've been ahead for a long time, and um, we had lots of networks, as you're, as you're aware, for a lot of things. You know, we sharing best practices has been going on forever. We share best practice around behaviour. We share best practice around securing better outcomes, teaching and learning. Attendance wasn't ever something that um, we really did that with, I don't think, in schools. In, in a sense, John, that attendance was just existed pre-COVID. It, it, it was just known to be uh, difficult to move attendance in, in challenging circumstances. And, and often attendance was low and leaders were, were seen to be doing everything they could. And then in more fortunate communities, your um, attendance kind of came a bit more naturally and higher attendance was, was a bit easier to secure. Um, and invariably, when people said, um, your attendance is a bit low, why don't you go and see that school's attendance up the road? Um, it, it wasn't particularly helpful because that school was in very different context to yours. It had, it had very different challenges to yours. And, and invariably, like leaders just said, well, that school is very different to mine. Um, so the, the idea of attendance hubs, and particularly with the pilot around North Shore was, like, finally, in, in all my years working in kind of schools, schools requiring improvement, special measure schools, there was a school that was in very, very challenging circumstances, that, you know, that had never been judged good, that had almost 70% of children eligible for pupil premium funding. And yet attendance for, for the school and for all groups within the school was really, really high. And that led to an outstanding Ofsted. And the idea of the attendance hub was rather than suggesting that very, very different schools come together, what if we created a network of schools that faced similar challenges and served similar communities um, so they could share best practice with each other um, and, and not have the problem that, they, that people would imagine um, that, that, that their schools are very different. They serve, they have different challenges. So we we simply set up a pilot of an attendance hub where we shared um, we shared everything um, that we'd created that had moved attendance at North Shore. We shared we shared we had little how to videos, day in the life videos. We shared all the templates. We shared all the materials. And we were really keen at the beginning to say, look, this doesn't mean that you know it's, it's better than anything you do, but you can use it if you want to. And and we had a series of meetings where we shared. All the processes that we did, we created a, a, a message board where people could ask questions and we piloted a hub of around 70 schools that had very similar demographics. So largely, in North Shore's case, it was um, high disadvantaged white working class British schools. And the, the, the idea, if you like, all along was if this works, we could maybe have more attendance hubs where groups of schools with similar challenges could come together and share best practice. And that's why I think I suppose after the success of the pilot at North Shore, we've now got upwards of fifteen more hubs being set up, you know, led by schools in trusts who um, who might be rural or coastal or special schools or alternative provision. Um, so yeah, it's great to see that it's being extended. That's the principle behind it. But um yeah, so they've they've expanded the number of schools in that to fourteen. There's also a commitment to um, expand its 
um, attendance mentors program, which is going to work with um, schools, trusts and local authorities. And they've also stressed um, their SEND reforms and how important they think they are um, in terms of improving attendance. But um, I think what the committee report says on that is that the, that the government needs to get on with that, but it also needs to ensure that pupils' needs are, are all, all, always able to be met in schools. So the, the, I think the government can point to some things it's doing that are in the right space, but I think there is a question mark about whether what they're doing is mm. enough. I think that's been raised by school leaders, hasn't it? A bit of a sticking plaster approach response there. Yeah, I think um, I think as well. It's um, I think attendance hubs, if they all replicate the success of the of um, the Northern Education Trust found, then that will make an impact, but it won't make a system level impact. And I, I guess the I think the, the theme the theme that runs throughout this report is that we need whole country solutions, not kind of piecemeal ones, if that makes sense. Thanks for that, John. And just to follow up, bearing in mind we're about to head into a Tory party conference over the back end of the weekend, early next week, and a speech expected from uh, the Education Secretary, Gillian Keegan, on Monday. Um, is there anything we're expecting to hear in terms of more um, eye-catching or headline-grabbing measures to address this issue coming from the government for, for plans for, for the next few months ahead of a potential election yeah i mean i think the the fact that the election is um is is so close is probably the the influencing factor in that i think one thing the government could do and it is under pressure to do and that the select committee called for was for them to follow through on their commitment to create a um this register that i mentioned this not in school register they had it in the schools bill that 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 fell away last year after lots of problems but what the select committee report said was there was no problem with this idea of a register that that had universal support um, speaking to Tez in a piece that we have on our website, Robin Walker told me that he thought the government had made a mistake by not already having legislated for this and creating this register. But he says that they can correct that mistake um, by introducing something in the King's speech. If they're going to do that, then the party conference would seem to be an ideal time to do it. The only problem is, I think, that um, obviously this is a government and an opposition party that are on a general election footing. And I guess with every policy intervention, there comes the challenge of whether it is strong enough to be a main platform policy in a, in a kind of a in a general election campaign. This perhaps might feel a bit technical, but I think it's something that they could do that would be welcomed. And um, yeah, we'll have to watch this space for next week. And just quickly, John, if you don't mind, just to touch on the opposition, we'll hear from her shadow, Bridget Phillipson, um, the following week at the Labour Party conference. Has Labour had anything to say on how they would tackle this this differently? Yeah, so you so- Previously, and they, they reiterated it this week, Labour have talked about the Universal Breakfast Club plan in primary schools being something that they will have a uh, that will have an impact on attendance, and that's something that the Select Committee has asked the government to look at. Um, they've also talked more broadly about how their um, their desire to get more teachers into classrooms will have an impact, and one of their policy commitments previously was for mental health counselling support to be in place in every secondary school, so they can they can put to all, all of those as tallying with this report, I think. The other thing to mention, I guess, in attendance is as part of their Ofsted reform, they've said that um, they'll want Ofsted to do an annual safeguarding review and attendance will be part of that. So there is several things that Labour have or, or already said um, that, that, that kind of speaks to this. I think what's kind of clear coming into this year, and we've seen it again um, with the story we have on our site about um, spiking illness again, is that this issue isn't going away. Um, I wonder whether there was some sense that it might have been seen as like a pandemic hangover that kind of corrected but I think the kind of the, the legacy of the pandemic is obviously longer than that. And so I think this is going to be something that the current government and the next government will definitely have to grapple with. Indeed. 
It's interesting you mentioned the illnesses from COVID rising again and and obviously we had a story on that yesterday on on the site and people can read more about that there. One of the things actually that was that's been called for is a is a kind of awareness campaign um, for parents around um, assessing mild illness. And actually, it's really interesting. The um, the chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, and um, the leaders from the Royal College of Nursing and all, all the other medical colleges actually did write a letter to school leaders at the beginning of term, um, setting out their sort of clinical view and kind of giving them advice that they could pass on pass on to parents. Um, but that doesn't seem to have um, really... Um, really been covered too much or kind of gained awareness amongst, well, certainly amongst parents I know or kind of in the sector. So it'd be interesting to see if if, if that's built on as more policy is, uh, is rolled out around trying to increase attendance. I guess that will become, you know, even more of a, a pressing and live issue as we, as we move into winter. I think one of the things that I wonder hasn't been explored massively in, there, there seems to be in that recommendation from from MPs, the notion that parents are unnecessarily keeping their kids off school and that that's a kind of a, a pandemic hangover. And I think that's, I'm, I'm sure that's, and that tallies with some of the evidence that they'll have received. But I, I think one of the things that we saw last year was like a, also re- schools reporting a genuine increase in illness and whether that's a post-pandemic thing or whether that's the fact that we're not post-COVID, that we may be post the kind of the, the heights and waves of COVID. Um, I think schools last year, last winter term, had to grapple with illness on a, on a, on a kind of a previous higher than previous scale. And it'd be interesting to see if that's the case again now and whether there's any policy interventions around that. I think when we think back to COVID, one of the things people talked about was making schools healthier buildings in terms of ventilation. Um, But at the moment, I think it's been seen as kind of a cultural and practical problem, but not necessarily a health issue. And yeah, I wonder how that will, how that recommendation from the, the committee will play in the public. If the government started to do comms around when to send your kid into school or not, would that have a really positive impact? Would that provide reassurance? Or would parents find that patronising and annoying? I think it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out in the future. Okay, well, there's been really, really interesting discussion from my point of view anyway. Thanks, John. And thanks so much for the chat. And you can find out a lot more and read a lot more on all of those issues that we've discussed today on our website. Just go to tes.com forward slash magazine forward slash news. We'll be back next week. Hope you can join us then. Thanks.